tonight. So you can go ahead and be turning back to Acts chapter 2. I know, we keep going back to Acts chapter 2. There's so much of Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. If you want to go ahead and hold a place there, we're basically going to be going back and forth between those two passages this morning. Um, I don't want to get into like a purely economic discussion this morning, but I just I think it's worth like I wanted to make one observation because if you'll notice like uh, during the whole COVID thing, right? I don't know how many of you like play the stock market. I don't. So this isn't me coming from experience, but like everything has gone from like here to like, like here and it's on its way back now or whatever, but, but like, you know, everything tanks because it's like, we can't be out doing things. We can't be accomplishing things. We can't be selling goods except for like one kind of stock. Does anybody know what one kind of stock like did really well during COVID? Entertainment. Netflix. Netflix has done really well. I don't know. I don't know about you. Uh, okay, here. How about this? Who, I don't care which streaming service, whatever, who has binged at least one or four shows during quarantine? I know we have. I mean, you may not have finished it, but who's, who's, okay, so lots, lots of, like, there, there haven't been many things that we could all agree on, but one of the things is that there's way too much stuff out there. We might as well watch some of it, right? And so uh, we've watched a couple of different shows. One of the ones, don't don't spoil it because we're not through it yet, uh, but one of the ones that we have been watching over the last, I mean, we started this, what, three weeks ago and we're already into season five or whatever is Community. I don't know if anybody's watched Community, so don't tell me how it ends or anything, but I mean, we've been watching Community a lot and um, I, I really really like that show uh and but it's not it, yes it's it's funny and they play with genre and they do some weird things and they have epic paintball matches and those those things are great and there's action and all of that and i get that but i think what what i really connect to the most is is really just like this ragtag bunch of people that have literally nothing in common that find this family and they connect with one another and, and I think the reason that that connects with me, the reason that that idea resonates with me is that's what the church is. I mean, we talked a little bit about that last week, right? We talked a lot about how God is bringing different types of people together. And we were talking mostly more of like countries of origin or race. And we were talking about those kinds of things that God is bringing together. But, but it's not just that he brings people together, you know, from different nationalities and makes them this one unique family. He also brings together people with all sorts of different interests, all sorts of different personality types, all sorts of different, uh, I guess, hopes and dreams and directions and things they're interested in. And, and that's, I think, one of the things that, I, that resonates with me about that show is like you've got so many different people who want to do so many different things in their life. And sure, it's, it's, it's called community because it's set in a community college, but really it's not about the, the school, it's about the people. Just like, just like the church isn't about the building, even though I'm so happy that we're able to be back in the building. It's about the people that are now getting to come into the building and I'm getting to see people's faces that I've only seen on a screen for different periods of time over the last, what, three months, right? And I think that this, 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 this commonality that we find in Christ amidst all of our different interests, because there have been some people that I have become so close to in the church that there is no way 
I would be friends with them if it wasn't for Jesus. Not because, not because they're not nice people, not because I don't like them, just because they have different interests or they have different abilities. Like, like there have been some people who are like really, really good athletes that I would, I mean, like, like that whole stereotypical, you know, athletic group and nerd group and how they don't tend to mix. That would be me and so many people that I've been really close friends with in the church because I would be in like the D&D group over there. Huzzah. <laughs> Sorry. But I've been, I've been friends with so many different people with so many different interests. Like, I, I'm now, I'm close with people that, I mean, this morning when we were getting ready to come in here, Autumn said, I just love to clean. <laughs> I'm so excited that I can help sweep the floor. And I'm like, great. The church brings us, Jesus brings us together. Holy Spirit connects us with people that have very different backgrounds. And it's through that unified community that God is building His church. Because, because we, I mean, if, if, if the body of Christ is in fact a body with different parts, different pieces that are meant to be used in different ways, we can't all be the same person. We can't all be the same personality type. We can't all have the exact same set of skills. Like, like I need people who really care about cleanliness and practicing physical distancing and wiping things down. Because I'm way more tempted to be like, eh, it is what it is. That's, that's me. But also, we need people that are interested in, in coming up and doing music. We need people that are comfortable to stand on stage and speak and, and, and talk about what the Word of God says. We need people that are willing to just serve and come and help pull weeds outside. I don't know if you noticed that when you walked in today. We haven't weeded in a little while. Invite coming, I'm sure. We need people that will help organize things and, and run live streams and, and serve drinks and watch kids, and just sit and talk to people. Like, some people are not, not comfortable just sitting and having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with another human. You may not know this, but I'm more like that. Like, I, like, I'm way more comfortable standing up here and just talking at a bunch of people than I am sitting and having a single one-on-one -on -one conversation with people. But we need people that, that can connect and feel emotion with other people that can empathize well. We need people, we need people that can provide wisdom when we don't, like, we all, we need this diverse, this diverse group of people. We talked about God bringing together different people because all people had value last week. But this week, I really want to talk about how God unifies the church. And I've got, I've got three points because it's what I do now, apparently. I come up with three or four points. So I've got three or four ways that God shows that He is unifying His church in the book of Acts and that those, those ways that He's bringing these people with different interests, different, different goals, different places that they might have been going, when He unifies them around those things, we see that God does some amazing, amazing things. And I know that we went through this series on wraparound care a few months ago where a lot of that was me building to reading this very section of Acts chapter 2 and teaching about community and how community is a tool that God uses for healing us and bringing us back to kind of our intended state that God had designed us with and pulling us away from the things that we struggle with. And he was going to use community. And, and, and that is still true. But that's one of the things that I love about scripture is that we can come back to it three months later, read the same passage and apply it in so many different ways 
by looking at it from a slightly different angle. And the, and the Bible is just so full of value in that way. So if you've got Acts chapter 2, we're going to start by talking about how God unifies us socially. We're unified socially. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. I'm going to stop right there. We're going to get through this whole passage by the end here. Uh, but I just want you to hear what it is that, that they're saying. That they were together all the time. And this is the most similar con uh, kind of concept to what we talked about a few months ago. Just the sharing life together, being connected with other people, uh, being together daily. This idea of daily connectedness, which, which seems so foreign in, to where we are right now as a society. And seems so, I mean, to some, almost seems... Uh, hurtful or offensive to say, why would you want to be around people right now? That's, you're just gonna, you're gonna make them, but this is, this is who we are as the church. This is what God has called us to. They were living their lives together. But look, let's look at a couple things that they were doing. They were eating meals together. I know we're not doing lunch today. I miss doing lunch. I miss, I miss sitting down and having food with other people because when you do that, that's when you really are able to best connect with other people, it feels like. I mean, one of the, I don't know if anybody's ever watched um, the YouTube series Hot Ones. Has anybody ever watched Hot Ones? So he is by far the best interviewer on the planet alive right now. But the whole point of the way his show works is they sit down and they eat hot wings and they get hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. And the hotter they get, the more the, the, the celebrity breaks down and starts crying and, but it kind of breaks down their guard, but just the, the having a conversation over a meal is so natural to us because it's one of the things that God wanted for us as his church, that we would sit together, share meals together, talk. Now, I know we haven't been able to do that physically recently because we've been separated, but uh, for those of you who've maybe shown up on, on Wednesday nights for the Zoom call, Somebody is inevitably eating supper during a Zoom call, and, there's, and it works. Like, we're just sitting there having dinner, and we're still having a conversation with people over dinner. Usually it breaks down into, oh, what are you eating? Oh, that sounds better than what I'm eating. How did you make that? Will you teach me how to, like, like this whole, oh, you're making that? That sounds interesting. Let's have a conversation. And then we talk about food for 30 minutes because everybody's hungry. But that's fine because that's who we are. We're supposed to share meals together because I think it's an easy way for us to have really powerful conversations with one another where we're just kind of, like our guard is let down because we're having these conversations over a meal. So they were eating meals together. They were in each other's homes, right? They were daily visiting each other. Now again, we're not doing that right now, physically, but we've been doing, I, I don't know how many Zoom calls in the last three months I've been on. I don't know how many Zoom calls you've been on. But man, I still find that it's just as easy to, it's sometimes, I don't wanna say it's better, but it's quicker for sure, to set up a quick, hey, can we chop on a quick Zoom? And it seems to be that we can still connect and it's more effect, a more effective way of us to communicate sometimes than texting or calling, something like that, because you can see each other's face, which is probably why the church was gathering together so they could see each other, know what each other are thinking, understand what all was going on in each other's lives because they were together. And lastly, they were praying together. They were spending time in prayer. We haven't really had a strict like schedule or like teaching plan for our Wednesday night Zooms for the last couple of months. Really, we've been spending a lot of time 
sharing what's going on in each other's lives, and asking for each other to pray for each other, and then just spending a long time praying. 45 minutes of prayer time between sharing prayer requests and praying for one another. That's, that's the picture of what the church is supposed to be. Now, I hate that we haven't been able to be together for it in this way, but I think we see the, we see the desires that we have as the church, the things that we want to move toward, because I think that we naturally are drawn to that because that's what God has built us for. He's built us to want to be connected in that way. He's built us to want to share meals together, to want to pray together. And the church was the healthiest it was. In, in Acts chapter 2, in this, in this summary right here, Acts chapter 2 and the one we're going to read in Acts chapter 4 in just a few minutes, in those kind of two summaries of what the church looked like at this point as God was beginning to build it, this was the healthiest that the church ever was after Jesus left. These are the best pictures of what we get the church looking like. And what does it look like? eating together, spending time together, and praying together. They were unified socially. They were brought together in that way. Secondly, they were unified theologically. Back to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 42 through 44, and then we're going to jump over to Acts chapter 4. Uh, Acts 2, 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many sign, wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Flip over to Acts 4. I'm going to read verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. I know that's the beginning of the verse. We're going to read the rest of it in just a bit. But listen, they were all unified around what it was that the apostles were teaching the truth that was being exposed, the things that were being taught to them, they were understanding. Right? They were accepting. They were all unified around similar ideas. And this, this is similar to what we kind of talked about, I guess now it's been about a month when we were talking about God built His church through gospel clarity. Right? That God really made sure that we understood and the, the, the purpose of the church was to communicate a true understanding of what the gospel was that, that we were wicked, we are sinners, and that because of that, we couldn't be connected back to God except through the death of His Son, which, which, which we see the apostles over and over again reminding, is because of you. Like, you murdered Jesus, but that was God's plan so that He could, through His death, His burial, His resurrection, bring you back into the family of God. And we talked about that. We talked about how important that gospel clarity was for the mission of the church. But, but as we look in Acts chapter 2 and in Acts chapter 4, we're seeing a picture of a group of believers who are connected and, and all in tune with the truth of the gospel, the truth of the Word of God that's being taught by the apostles, and they're all of one heart and mind. They're all connected theologically in a very powerful way. And this is so important because we can't even agree right now in our society what we agree and disagree on. For every disagreement, there is a disagreement over what the disagreement is about. If you want proof, open your phone, not right now, pull up Twitter, and just read the first 10 things. I don't care what they are. I don't care what side they're on. They're all coming from different places. Because none of us can even agree on what we disagree on. And this is an issue within the church as well. If we're not united in what we believe, 
How can we be the voice saying, we have the answer for what the truth is? How can we confidently speak out and say, we have the solution if we as the church are divided on what we believe theologically? And that word, I said, truth, is even triggering in our society, right? Because it implies, and here's why. We don't like the idea of truth because if, if there is something that is true, that means there is the possibility for us to be wrong. We don't like being wrong. No one, no one likes being wrong. No one likes to be told, you don't have this all figured out. You don't understand everything perfectly. And even within the church, we, we kind of let ourselves become comfortable with the idea of, well, there are some gray areas in theology. There are some things that aren't, you know, obviously perfectly clarified. And, and, and to a degree, that is true. There are things in Scripture that it's hard to un- interpret. And there are different, different ways that people interpret different passages of Scripture. But what that doesn't mean is there is not one right answer. Do you see the difference in what I'm saying? One of those positions, one of, these, one of the understandings of how to interpret the Bible is the right one. And someday, when we're all unified together as the body of Christ in heaven, we'll all get to know who was right and which one of you guys were wrong. That's just a little joke. Right? Okay, cool. But, but there is a right answer. And, we, and I think we sometimes, you know get to this, we're going to agree to disagree, or this is kind of an open-handed issue. This is something we can kind of disagree on and move forward, and and we don't need to divide. I'm not trying to call for us to start dividing as a church over things we disagree on, But, but I think we sometimes use that just to kind of soften the blow of disagreeing with somebody. Or, or feeling like, I understand this thing better than somebody else, or this is right and I need to teach this to you, instead of just let you kind of sit in this. There are some things that we need to correct. There, I mean, we talked last week about how um, Peter had been afraid to go and minister to the Gentiles, and even after he got it figured out and got it right, when he came back and spent time with the Jews, Paul caught him kind of falling back into his old habits and called him out and said, no, Peter, this is wrong. You need to change. There are some things that are right and wrong and true, and we also need to be confident to unify around the truth, the things that are true as presented in Scripture. And that's what I think. one of the things that I think is so cool about where the church was at this point. They were of one heart and mind. What a goal. What a place to be to know not just that we all believe in Jesus, but like we feel like we're on the same page here. That doesn't always happen, and it's not, it's not always going to happen, but when, when it does, when we have those moments of clarity, when I, I, I can't really give you a specific example right now, but like, I mean, there have been times that we've been discussing how things are going to work for the church going forward as the elders, and it's like, we're not quite on the same page. And we'll say, let's stop, let's step back and let's just pray about this and pray that God would unify us. Because we're not connected. Spoiler, sometimes we don't all agree, right? That's what I'm saying. But when we step back and we pray, we say, God, bring us together on this. Unify us around this truth. He has seen fit to do so so many times 
again and again and again. And I think when we get to those points where we really do have that clarity, we really do have that understanding, wow, we're on the same page. We're reading these verses, and we're seeing the same thing right now. We're understanding what the Word of God is calling us to do, and we're, we're, we're united in this. We need to stop and appreciate that, because that is those moments are few and far between in our world right now where people are are 100% united and ready to go forward with the same intent, the same motivation. People who are different from each other or people who have different interests or or different 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 goals in life, but they're all they're all looking at the Bible and saying, "No, this this is who we're supposed to be. This is what we're supposed to do." We need to stop. We need to appreciate that. Because because that's the Holy Spirit working in us. That's God giving us that. And that's what God was doing in the church. In Acts chapter 2 and in Acts chapter 4, they were all together and they were connected and they were united on what they believed and what they were supposed to be doing. One more way they were united. This is the one that sometimes makes people uncomfortable. They were united financially. They were united financially. Acts chapter 2, verse 45 And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, and a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet feet. And this is not meant to just become a discussion about like tithing, which can be tempting to just make it. So he's about to start talking about how we're supposed to take X amount and we're supposed to give that amount to the church. That's, that's, not, that's not the discussion I'm wanting to have here. That's not the, the conversation we have. That, that's a piece of it. It's a piece of it, the, the desire to support the work in the ministry of the church. And I mean, we see that, right? They're taking the money that they have and they're laying it at the apostles' feet. They're not, they're not saying, I'm going to give this money to this particular cause. They're saying, we're trusting you guys to distribute these funds because you have a better understanding of what the needs are of the people in our community. First, that's a big responsibility for elders and that's terrifying to me, so... But those are the kinds of those are some of the decisions that we often have to kind of oversee as elders in the church. But what I want us to more look at is that this desire that the church had within themselves to meet the needs of one another. Now, I think I want to make one point a little bit clear here. This is talking about the church supporting the needs of the church. There is other scripture talking about the needs support the church supporting the needs of those outside the church. So I'm not trying to set that part of the conversation aside. That is vital to the ministry of the church that we also serve those who are in need around us that are not a part of the church. But what but what Luke is writing about in Acts chapter 2 and in chapter 4 is that the church was making sure that the needs of one another were being met. 
Their goals financially were not just their own success, their own security, their own safety, their own furthering their wants and desires. First, their goals were that needs were being met by the church within the church. Again, I'm not going to give you specific examples. But we at CRC have done that before where, where we've seen need in the body with members and said, we need, to, we need to step in here and we need to intervene and we need to try to do what we can to support this person in this situation they're in for a little bit. Try to serve those, those needs that they have. And that's who we are called to be. So I want us to ask ourselves, when it comes to what I have, and I don't want to just say money. I want to say what I have. Because we see not all of them had money, but they might have had property. They might have had something. And they said, I need to make sure the needs of the church are being met more than I need to continue to own this thing, whatever it may be. And they were willing to let go and part with that thing for the sake of trusting that the church would take care, meet the needs of those who were struggling or suffering within the body of Christ. And it's worth noting, there, there, there was no prescribed amount. That's why I said I don't want this to be a discussion about tithing. I think there is wisdom in starting with tithing. And if you want to have a conversation about managing your finances and, and you know, figuring out how to look at what you make and figure out ways that you can meet the needs within the church, that sort of thing, love to have a conversation with you about that. Anytime. Shoot me a message on Realm, whatever. Let me know. We will, we will have that conversation. But this isn't about a prescription thing. This isn't a, you got to set up this way, and you got to take 10% of this, and you got to take 5% from here, and you got to sell 20% of this. And then when you group all that together, then the needs of the church are going to be met. No. It's not about that. There's not a prescribed, there wasn't a minimum. If we kept reading, the very next chapter, uh, two people decided they were going to sell their field and give the money to the church following the example of uh, Barnabas. Now, he sold a field, he gave it to the church, we're going to do that too. They sold their field, and then they kept some of the money for themselves. And they went, and they took what was left, and they laid it at the apostles' feet, and they said, this is everything we got from the field. And he said, really? And he said, yeah. He said, you lied to me, and you lied to God, now you're dead. Like that, dead, on the spot. Ananias and Sapphira, go read it. Crazy. He even gave, so Ananias came first, he died. And then Sapphira came in right after, he said, I tried to give you a chance to get this right, but they're still dragging your husband out over there dead. And now you're dead. Like, I'm not trying to make light of their situation because it ended very poorly for them. But he said, the problem wasn't that they didn't give it all. The problem was that they were trying to receive credit for giving everything even though they didn't. Does that make sense? Do you understand the difference of what I'm saying there? He was trying to say, be honest with me about what you're, like, you don't have to get, like, you weren't required to give the full amount for what you sold your field for. You weren't required to doing that. You were just, we just wanted you to be honest, and we wanted you to give what, what God was motivating you to give in your heart. It was more about what's the desire of your heart, what is, it, what is the direction that God is kind of encouraging you to go and desiring to make sure that the needs of others are being met. Sure, there are going to be times, I'm not saying don't just support each other if you need to at some point, don't meet somebody else's needs, but there is precedent being set in here for setting that up and handing that off to the church to say, hey, 
we want to trust that you're going to use this in the way that God is going to lead you. And I think that that is a conversation worth continuing to have if you have questions about that, or you don't know how to do that, or you have questions about why that's so important. Um, I would love to continue to talk about that with you going forward. So those are the three ways that I wanted to talk about how God is uniting these people together. He was uniting them socially. He was unifying them theologically. He was unifying them financially. But here's the thing. In every one of these areas, when we talk about it, we can, we can very quickly remind ourselves that we are not there. We don't have that figured out. We don't have that perfected. These are like really good ideal examples of what the church can and should be, but that's not who we often are. We're not often good at desiring to spend time together and eating meals together. It's easier to stay apart. It's easier to go do something else. It's easier to have different different things that we like to do so we don't participate in the things that others like because, well, that doesn't really connect with me, so I don't want to participate in that way. It's easy to say, well, I don't want to interpret that verse that way, so I don't. it's not worth having the conversation so that we can come together and realize where it is that we need to unify. There's lots of times where we are still tempted to say, I want to hold on to some of what I have just to make sure that I'm taken care of and my own needs are met. And I'm not trying to say this just to make us feel bad about ourselves. I'm trying to say that because we're not, like, we're not perfect yet. We aren't perfectly reconciled to Jesus yet. But, and this is the cool thing, Revelation chapter 19, I'm going to read in just a second. It talks about this time that we will get to have this perfect meal together where we are going to be perfectly united. We are going to be perfectly connected with one another and everyone's needs will have been met perfectly. So if you want to, you can turn to Revelation chapter 19 with me. Because I just want us to, I want us to have this picture not... I'm going to do something super nerdy real quick. I watch a lot of HGTV right now. And there's this one show on there called Hometown. Has anyone ever seen Hometown? First of all, Ben is my spirit animal. I, I, I want to be him someday when I grow up. But there's this line that she says in the opening credits of the show where she's describing all of these clunker houses that they want to fix up for people. And she says... Don't worry about what you see. Think about what it could be. Right? Look at the potential of what it could become. And I want us to look at what the church... What we, don't, don't worry about what we see. Don't worry about the fact that we can't all be together. We can't give each other hugs. We can't, we can't sit in chairs right next to people the way that we want to. We can't have lunch in the way that we normally would. We're not all in agreement on every issue theologically. We're not, we're not all perfectly ready and willing to start sacrificing what we have for the sake of, the, of others. We still, have, we still have growth to do. We still have growth to have. I don't want us to look at what the church is and say, that's all it's ever going to be. And that's why I love reading these passages in Revelation. If you ever want to do a fun study of the book of Revelation, read the book of Revelation and don't think of it as prophecy. Don't read it as what, what's going to happen just read it as worship. Read it as worship music. Making much of Jesus. Just, just read it in that way, and it is such a powerful book to read that way. So Revelation chapter 19, I'm going to read verses 6 through 10. 
Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, You must not do that. I am, a I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That's what we're heading toward. That's the, that's the goal. We can, we're, we're getting glimpses of it here. When we're, when we're unified theologically around a similar idea, that's great. That's super encouraging, but that's not the end. There's going to come a time where we get to eat a really good meal together. When, when our conversation with one another face-to-face -face is so loud it sounds like thunder echoing throughout all the land. Like, like that, is, that is what we're moving toward. That's the, kind of, that's the kind of community that we're heading toward. Even though we're just a ragtag bunch of people with different interests, different wants, different desires, some of us are really athletic, some of us are really not, some of us are really nerdy, some of us are really smart, some of us are really goofy, some of us are really uncomfortable being around people, some of us love standing in front and talking for 45 minutes because it makes them feel really powerful and that's pride and they shouldn't be that way. Right. That's what we have to look forward to. Different people brought together by the power of God, united in everything that we understand, right? These were the, he was saying, these are the words of God. These are the true words of God. They're unified around this idea and, and moved to worship because they are all on the same page. And that is a thing, like I said earlier, when you have those moments where you feel that level of connectedness, that level of unity where you're, where you're meeting each other's needs and you're praying for one another and you're spending time together and you're, and you're eating meals together and, and you're opening the Bible and like, yes, this is true, this is good, this is for me, this is powerful, and we're all on that, that is a time for rejoicing. That is a time for worshiping because, because that only happened through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And that's what we have to look forward to in the end. That's where we're headed. That's the goal. That's the end. We're going to get that, and it's going to be perfect, and it's going to be amazing. Let's pray.